Welcome to the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR, where we talk to business leaders from around Ireland and share their advice on how to create the HR systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, simply visit www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the HR Room podcast, where we delve into the cutting edge world of HR and business innovation. Get ready to unlock the secrets of AI in the workplace as we sit down with esteemed Kieran Gilmurray, renowned author and expert in digital transformation. Join us as we explore how AI can revolutionize HR practices, tackle challenges head on and empower your team for success. Don't miss out. Tune in to gain invaluable insights and kickstart your journey into the future of HR. Hope you don't mind, Kieran, but in the spirit of things, and I think a lot of our regular listeners will, will notice there, I actually got ChatGPT to write that intro for us. So firstly, did we do okay, Kieran? And secondly, how are you? I didn't even notice. That shows you how progressive ChatGPT is. <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. Really good to be here. Thanks for the invite. Brilliant stuff. And great to have you. Appreciate the time. And as always, we're joined by our very own Mary Cullen, founder and managing director here at Inside HR. How are you, Mary? I'm great. Thanks, Owen. And pleasure to have you here, Kieran. Uh, I think this is going to be a, a topic that's of great interest to a lot of our audience. Um, I'm always a bit of a technophobe, so I'm going to declare that right at the outset. But um, I have been using Chat GPT just like everybody else and um, really curious about what it can do for not just our business, but HR as well. Definitely. Look, and, and a, lot to, a lot to cover, so we'll jump right in. So I might, if you don't mind, Kieran, I might start with kind of a, a lighthearted one, but it's one of those questions you've probably heard before. Is AI, Kieran, going to steal all our jobs and take over the world? <laughs> yes. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, should, I should worry people and then <clears throat> unworry them. Look, it is a common question. I hear it all the time. And I have to say the press really don't help because hearing stories about you know, AI, automation, anything beforehand, websites, domains, go back 20, 30 years, everybody panics. And it doesn't help when US presidents like Obama or Kennedy in their speeches as they're exiting office are claiming that automation will kill jobs and the world will be a horrible place. Well, thankfully, that's not the case. The nature of work has always changed. Technology is one of those things that is driving change quicker, faster than anything before. The good news is, though, Don Wright, and that's the key to this secret recipe, Don Wright putting great people together with amazing technology allows them to do even greater things. And thankfully, as we have witnessed to date, the share of the pie gets bigger and the pie gets bigger as a result. So I do not subscribe, just to be very clear, to the AI will kill us all and kill all our jobs and everything else. But that said, we do need to learn to use technology the right way so that we come out the back end of this more productive, more profitable, more valuable as people and as businesses, not the opposite end. If you don't progress, you don't learn and you don't embrace the technology, then I'm afraid we're in a period of what I call digital Darwinism. And you will go the way of the dinosaurs if you don't play catch up. Definitely. And look, it's great to get that context again because I'm, I'm of the, the same 
train of thought as you did, I think there's a lot of opportunities here and it's not that big, scary, scary thing that a lot of people say to so that's great to get that opening context. So I suppose just to dig a little bit deeper into it, Kieran. So when we talk about AI in HR, I suppose a bit more specifically, I suppose what is it? Because we're obviously talking a bit more, talking about more than just ChatGPT, those kind of things. There's a lot of opportunities here in HR, isn't there? Yeah, so just to be clear with the audience, we we do refer to ChatGPT and it got first mover media advantages, I would describe it. It came out in November 2022. Now we're thinking all those way back and it's not even a year. If you would be forgiven if you didn't hear about any other technology in 2023, because it felt like it was ChatGPT's years, but there's lots in between, you know. So you've got uh, Anthropic, you've got AWS Bedrock, you've got Claude, Meta, Microsoft, all of the big vendors and lots of smaller open source vendors have really embraced generative AI. And there's very few people who are not spending money building platforms, environments, applications with Gen AI into it. And that includes, by the way, HR software. So when you're looking at, for example, you know, you want to onboard people and you can use conversational AI with generative AI in that. People can engage with a, a chat bot, for want of a better phrase, a really intelligent, clever one that you probably at times won't recognize the difference. But now it can answer all your questions to free, you know, valuable HR people up from answering what are reasonably important, uh, but routine queries. So the days of, you know, ChatGPT just creating a new poem or identifying what's a cat and not a cat are, are long behind us. The real power comes from the technology where, you know, if you want, and let's put it into HR context, if you want a, a people strategy or career pathing plan for everyone in your business, it can do that. If you wanted to write a job advert uh, based on, you know, examples that you provide, your competencies, the wills, skills, or whatever else is important to the culture of your organization, it can do that. If you wanted to create a competency index and interview set of questions in a scoring sheet, it can do that as well. And if you want to record your interview and have a piece of technology, hopefully non-biased technology, but we'll get into that, score the interview from a very objective, non, as I would describe it, we are biased creatures, you know, interview panel bias, it can do that as well. Uh, so all these things are now possible, but the, the real question, Owen and Mary, comes into this. If we just use generative AI and AI technology, and they're subtly different, generative AI is a subset of AI. If we just use it for HR, we're missing a tremendous opportunity to reinvent how an organization is actually structured because AI can impact every role. I refer to something as the generative enterprise. So in other words, using artificial intelligence together with other great technologies to allow you to reinvent how an organization actually delivers and constructs value. And that's something we should jump into as well. Huge opportunities in HR, but huge opportunities to recreate businesses in terms of outcomes and actions and productivity and value like nothing before. And it isn't just my word for this, by the way, in case the audience go, who is this crazy guy? This is studies that have been done over the last 12, 18, 24, 36 months, showing work can be very different in terms of output and quality and everything else that you would want as an organization, including the HR function as well. Definitely, and there's a lot to unpick and explore there, Karen, which we will do actually as the, as the conversation uh, goes on, because I suppose that's what you're here for, to, to talk about things that we haven't actually spoken about or even explored before, so that's fantastic. Um, I suppose, Mary, then, question for yourself, Mary. I mean, 
I know we've kind of briefly kind of talked about AI in passing over the past few months. I know we've been trying to get a podcast like this and going, which is fantastic. But I suppose, Mary, question to yourself. Does HR feel, Mary, like one of those sectors that can be really, I suppose, transformed by using something like AI effectively? Do we tend to be kind of bogged down by processes, time-heavy tasks, that kind of stuff? Any thoughts in general? Yeah, I think the profession in general um, can be very paper-heavy or administration-heavy. You know, you can imagine, we, you know, any um, HRIS system is it, got, all the details of the employees of the organization, uh, current and past, and a whole range of information and data that we're collecting all the time about people. So it does tend to be um, a part of the organization that's very uh, paper heavy. And, you know, all my life in HR, I've, you know, done tasks and and completed paperwork and filled in forms and uh, you know rated people and scored people and uh, you know put together performance management systems and spent hours working through them all the rest of it picking up data manually and you know in later years uh using automation and various processes so you know it it, it can be heavy on that side so and then comes chat gpt and i'm like staggered at how quickly we can get a, a job description and a spec and an advertisement out there or how quickly you can ask it to do something to check a piece of text for accuracy for you know grammatical correctness for uh tone even you know so there's such a huge amount that you can do with the technologies that are out there now um and you know it's the tip of the iceberg but i always find the hr profession is a bit divided so you've got those who are afraid of technology, whatever that technology is. And, and sometimes you go into those organizations and it's it's like stepping back into time gone by, uh, some time past. And at other times you're staggered by the, the, the sheer level of development um, from a HR point of view. It's not universal. It is dependent on resources uh, and size of organization and, and I suppose the uh, HR team or practitioners that are in place and how willing they are to embrace change and difference. Um, but what's clear is this is organization wide and HR really need to bring themselves up to speed with these technologies and start to consider, well, what could we actually improve? What business processes could we improve in HR? But not just that, what about the rest of the organization? What skills are we going to need for the future? How will this kind of um, tech, these technologies change the way in which we currently do our work right across the organization and not just in HR? I hear a lot of employment lawyers talking about privacy and, and challenges and, um, you know, the dark side, the litigation that's inevitably going to come and all of that stuff. And I find it a very interesting discussion and debate. Uh, but I think we're a little bit away from that, too, and um, how, how we use these technologies. 
how we police them, what our organizations do with them, how we manage problems around it. I don't know. It's all very new. Yeah, definitely. And perfect segue on to my, my next question for yourself, Kieran Reedy. I suppose Mary alluded to a couple of bits there. I suppose HR typically have a lot of data at their hands. HR, uh, I suppose, I might argue this is just, I suppose, coming off the top of my head, there might be a majority that actually want to, to make changes like this and, and use the use the technology and all the, the tools they have available to them. So I suppose the question, Kieran, really is how can HR teams use AI to help their roles and goals and why should they do it? I know it's quite a, quite a big question, but I know you're you're good for, for answering those tough ones with a, with a good response. Well, I like the tough question, so that will make it more fun. So let me let me dip into this from a number of angles, because there are a number of angles when you start to get into the nitty gritty. Look, yeah. the, the real question we should be asking is about, uh, you know, the changing nature of work and therefore the changing nature or composition of the workforce and what it looks like. You know, so for example, it'll soon be we'll soon be able to create, you know, single person, one billion autonomous businesses. Because when you think about it, businesses can already mix their labor pools into bigger or smaller numbers of resources. They can use a lot of AI to do amazing things. You know, Mary was mentioning, you know, replacing all the paperwork with AI and automation. You can start to put in psychometric tests, conversational AI. I could start to put in retention analytics so I can look at the workforce and determine, you know, who is likely to stay and who's likely to go. And I can put AI into absolutely everything. But again, what we should be really looking for is not trying to do what I describe as tweaking, you know, using tech or mess for less. Really, that that those days are, are kind of gone. Your competition will be driving six miles ahead of you. So there's no point in that. What we really need to do is be a lot more innovative and look to redesign work and the composition of work. So if I were starting again and you ask this to most business leaders, would you do exactly what you're doing today now and, and keep going? The, the answer is inevitably not. I believe in this day and age that we should be creating something called a mutable business. And what do I mean by mutable business? Well, when you look at how we actually compose businesses, we, they're, they're normally set up by a person, the shareholder. The shareholder looks for an economic return. The business is built from day one around outcomes. After a while that all changes, people have vested interests, organizations become centers of administration, not everybody focused on creating shareholder value. And therefore, when I'm constructing an organization, I'm looking at the composition of the workforce to try and have, from my perspective, as few fixed labor resources as possible. That's not that I don't like people, trust me, I do. But in this day and age, because me as an employee using AI technology, I can actually work for multiple businesses at the same time. So in the past, I was limited to nine to five as an employee for what incomes I can earn. Well, I can now use AI technology. And we were talking about chat GPT a moment ago. I'm, I can immediately make myself, and I have, 40% more productive and I'm already pretty efficient. You go, well, that's you. Well, no. BCG, for example, the large global consulting group, gave their new consultants chat GPT or a generative derivative of that and immediately they were 30% more productive. This is some of the brightest, best people in the world. And importantly, their work was 40% higher quality. So now if you imagine I have 100 people in my business and I can make them an AWS come up with a figure for, for software developers, I can make them 57% more productive, then my goodness, I have a whole lot of things that I can actually play with and I can redesign my business better. I'm not suggesting take 57% of the workforce away. Trust me, it's not that. But all of a sudden, I can get things done quicker, better, faster, to higher quality, and I've time left over. As an employer, I've now got a choice. Now that I've got AI working across my entire organization, 
And Mary, I am absolutely sold on what you said, which is HR need to take the lead. They need to be building career paths and education cycles to teach everybody to use AI. But all of a sudden, as an employee or an employer, what do I do with those people? I can get a bigger pie. I can be more competitive. My prices can be better. Actually, I could pay people to work three days a week for the same money as five days a week because I'm now focused on outcomes. Or as an individual, I can now do two jobs because I can do the job you paid me for and you should be paying me for outcomes, not for time and seat. And AI allows me to really focus on outcomes and deliver job A Monday to Wednesday. Well, that means Thursday and Friday, I could do an entirely different job somewhere else. And now rather than being limited to five days a week's worth of cash, all of a sudden I can do different things. So yes, we can do mess for less. In other words, put AI and automation in to shuffle the paperwork quicker. We can even be very clever and put AI in to do retention analytics, reward analytics, have conversations with staff, answer questions 24-7. But I would encourage everyone to actually reconstruct how they go about their organization, how they employ a labor force, who they employ, because now we're in the generative age. Now we can create generative enterprises. I would reconstruct them entirely different than where I'm starting tomorrow morning without a blank piece of page. Those are the questions we should be asking. Definitely. And I think, Mary, the, the, the word that jumps out to me from everything Kieran is saying there, Mary, is potential. I mean, whether this is our audience's first time hearing all the great stuff Kieran has said, or maybe they, they're familiar with the potential here, there is a lot of potential to it in a way, a lot of ways HR can use AI, obviously, in their roles. But Mary, I suppose, going back to what you alluded to earlier, and it's a question that I'd actually pre-planned as well, just around HR teams being a little bit afraid of this, and we might be, I suppose, kind of vulnerable here for a second, is the view that it's a little bit complicated to jump into? Is it just naturally scarier and the risk, like you said, with some employment law aspects? I suppose, what's the kind of the blocker? What's the feeling on the ground, Mary, when it comes to this? And and I think there's there's no shame in either of us saying, God, we didn't even know as much as it could do. So maybe that's a part of it too. What do you think? Yeah, I, th I think it doesn't it depend on the individual and their willingness to embrace change and technology and difference. And, you know, certainly I've been looking at it just from a consultancy perspective, not not even just being in HR, but from a consultancy perspective. And I think it starts with each of your processes, doesn't it? So what are you doing? What are you doing with your time in HR? So if you break down each and every process that you have and try and think about, well, what what could you improve, do better, uh, do quicker with maybe less resources? But again, um, like you were saying, Kieran, it's not about necessarily getting rid of people. It's not about saying we have a, a team of 20 in our HR function. We could reduce that to 10 by bringing in um, AI technologies. So my feeling would be to look at, well, what can we do? How can we do? What do we do? What do we need to be doing? Um, where's our time going? And how can we use these technologies to speed us up and improve us? But at the end of the day, it comes down to individuals. Look, I remember 20, no, it's not even 20, let's say 30 years ago, when I was first approached by a jobs board when I was working in-house and, you know, somebody coming to me and saying, you know, we're going to place these 
jobs that you currently spend money on placing in a newspaper advertisement now online and people are going to be able to go online and apply for a job and I sat there and thought, this is crazy stuff. This will never take off. I can't imagine anybody applying for a job in this way. But at that time, uh, not everybody in every single office had access to even a, a computer. So in my world at that time, which was limited uh, in terms of my understanding of what the potential could be, I looked at that and thought, it won't take off. Well, how wrong was I? And that was my first lesson in how wrong I was around technology and, and its potential and what could happen. You know, catapult us now and who advertises in the paper anymore? Um, virtually no one. So it, it, the speed and pace of change that comes about um, is something that everyone in HR should be thinking about because if you're a blocker, if you're the person who's saying, putting the hand up saying, I don't believe this will work, um, you have the influence or you are influential in theory. Um, if you're doing your job well in HR, you should be somewhat influential in the organization. But you also have to help people get over and these fears and embrace the technologies and look at how we can improve our business processes right across the business. And I would, for one, prefer to be part of that conversation. However ignorant I might feel about the technologies, um, I would prefer to be part of that conversation, part of that influence, part of driving an organization forward, part of looking at um, you know, moving forward into the future. So I think it is down to the individual HR people and some people's organizations are flying ahead and others aren't. So it's it's where are you and, and what do you need to do to to bring yourself up to speed? Not be not be afraid of it. Definitely. And another aspect of that as well to that, Karen, and I'm sure again, sorry, this is probably a question you've heard 10 times over, but I just want to acknowledge those risks and I'm doing the, the inverted commas with the, with the hands there for our listeners. When we talk about things like GDPR, organization data privacy, all that kind of stuff, Kieran, can you maybe dispel some of the, the worries people might have around those risk elements that would typically typically arise in conversations around this kind of stuff? Yeah, happy to. And I think, you know, Mary's making great points there. This is about change management more than technology mm. at the top end. And we need to bring people with us as opposed to you know, being the victim of technology, we need to make sure that we've education programs, we sell this vision to people. And as ever, you know, some will be more open to change than others. But go back to what I said about digital Darwinism earlier on. Technology isn't stopping. The right technology allows us to do amazing things. And if you stop, you know, as someone said a little while ago, things have never been faster, but trust me, they'll never be slower again. And people are, are right to worry about the risks, because if we just run at something without thinking through the consequences, that's when we do land up in trouble. But we shouldn't use risk as a reason not to do something. You know, there's risk in crossing the road. There's risk in driving a car. And there are risks when it comes to AI, particularly AI bias. That was a theme in earlier models. And, and what do we mean by that for the folks who are new to this? Well, people wrote, uh, AI and HR uh, decision engines. So for example, the classic one given out every time, 
is that there was a group of male engineers wrote a HR application to select the next group of software engineers. And we have to be really clear on this story. None of them set out to create a bias selection process. What they did is they looked at the data that they had and they seen what are the successful characteristics of software engineers that have truly excelled inside of organizations. And with respect to STEM subjects and thank goodness participation from more than those who nominate themselves as male has grown, there are a more mixed group of people actually in software engineering. But back in the day, it was largely white, male, pale, some argue stale. And therefore, when I'm comparing cohort A to cohort B, of course, unless they actually match to white, male, pale, stale, then you weren't getting in the door, which resulted in uh, bias or disadvantage to other people. But those things are known. Those things are known now, and uh, software engineers and teams are massively conscious of putting bias risk into uh, their software. Uh, the great news is, look, that's now I've known uh, Europe, arguably, in terms of at a government level, have really caught up when it comes to AI as well. So you notice recent legislation in Europe around protecting people's data, making it more important and more financially correct to try and mine good data. All that stuff's coming out at the moment. If you look at the software vendors themselves, arguably, data, privacy, risk wasn't their most important thing. But remember, again, do I blame them? I, I don't because you have a group of people trying to grow a business as fast as they can who aren't aware of all of the risks. Sadly, lots of risks come out afterwards. Uh, again, when cars are put on the road, it's taken 100 years to come up with every safety feature that's in it. Thank goodness now we can do more. But the software vendors themselves are introducing privacy settings. So for example, let's go back to ChatGPT. Please do not copy in your most important private, confidential, strategic HR things into it by default as it comes out of the box. There's a privacy setting in it that says, please do not make my data part of the overall corpus of what's in chat GPT. There are vendors like Microsoft, and there's more than Microsoft, by the way, who have private generative AI. In other words, you can enjoy the public engine, but your, your data, in other words, your great company data that confers competitive advantage and the data that you're legally obliged to protect and not risk to the public is actually quite secured. Companies are catching on to put in, you know, cybersecurity tools. They're also catching on to train people. And that goes back to what we're saying earlier on. How do I bring people with us to encourage more people to understand and to get involved in what are essentially $20 a person a month tools to allow you to do amazing things? So look, there are risks out there. There are ethical issues. There are legal issues. I think some are, some are over-conflated to, to develop a little bit of business. So one I read yesterday, and I'll not name the very prominent individual, went, there's a legal risk if I create new content that's created in ChatGPT, who owns it? And immediately I'm going, well, on Microsoft Word, <laughs> Microsoft don't own the stuff that I've actually created. So why would this be any different? So again, I don't think we should let fear of risk guide us. As I said, there's fear in everything we do. The key bit from a HR perspective is um, turn on the privacy controls, engage your IT team, take an active lead in terms of the creation of ethics policies and everything else, because you do want to guard data. Create, take a lead in regard to change management, take a lead in regard to career pathing and educating everyone in the business around how to use the tools, 
and how to use these tools responsibly. That's what I refer to as responsible AI. So as ever, step forward with a degree of caution so you can be conscious as to what might fail because anybody who prepares any project and doesn't think of what goes wrong and can plan for it has essentially dug a big hole without a ladder. But please progress and don't let fear be the enemy of what is going to be and really is one of the most transformative technologies of our time. You, we will look back, and this is the bit we need to be conscious of. At the moment, we're talking about ChatGPT 3.5 and 4. And look what it can do. I don't think in those terms. I'm thinking in terms of ChatGPT 10 and 11 and 12. And that isn't, by the way, going to be in 10 years time. That's going to be very quick. And therefore, it is key that organizations led by HR teams learn this technology and help others learn this technology. Because to go back to a point earlier on, AI isn't going to replace your job, but someone with AI skills certainly might. Definitely. I think that's, if anyone wants to hear that again, I would advise skipping back 30 seconds and hearing what Kieran just said again, because that's, that's when we'll, we'll clip, I think, a lot of, a lot of um, the, the, case for it built into just a few words there so appreciate that Karen. um look i think i suppose the big question then and i'll come to both of you but i'll jump right back to yourself Karen, if that's all right first so i'm a hr manager i'm sold i want to get this started feeling a little bit overwhelmed by the potential of what i can do here but what's the advice for someone like that where again just kind of i know you alluded to this in your last question but just, just to dig a little deeper any advice on that kind of getting started piece how to know when to use it how to get the buy-in all those kind of bits yeah, so look, the, the key bit is, despite what people say or what they fear, it's reasonably simple, or we should treat it as a reasonably simple step forward. So for example, I use generative AI tools every single day. And I can name a couple like Grammarly, ChatGPT, Claude, Bing, Bard, Gemini, you name it, I use them all in one shape, form or other. I haven't actually touched a search engine in 12 plus months. I just don't need to. And my productivity has shot up 40%. And as I said, I was hugely efficient beforehand, so I can get that out of there. But the speed and quality of being able to do things with tools that are essentially $9 a month or $20 a month, you know, that's for nothing. If I can be 40, even half, 20% more productive. So I recommend organizations give everybody access to these tools. And lots of them are actually free. Now, that involves a little bit of education as well. So don't chuck a tool on someone's desk as a HR leader and go, my job is done. You know, this is where HR leaders, or what I prefer to call people strategy professionals, should and can really sit at the executive level. There should be the business strategy. There should definitively be a technology strategy. And around this should be a people strategy. And that involves everything, training, learning, awareness, education, risk management, responsible AI the lot, but give people the nine $20 tools and education as well. Consult with them, consult with the executive team from the top of the organization, right the way down through every single role. Look at every single business objective, because please, 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 this is one thing I, I bring back to teams every time. This isn't about becoming digitally quicker or digitally transforming to become more digital. This is about creating more value for your organization. So please, when you're focusing on the tools and the training and the education and the career pathing as people strategists, 
aligning skills and technology and everything else to the business, make sure you're aligning it to the business objective. So every role in the business should be focused on how do I, for $20 a month, deliver more value as part of the business strategy. The tech works, it's practically for nothing. What's missing is a little bit of direction. And if you don't understand it and your team doesn't understand it, then come to someone who does. You know, I know this technology. There are people like me, I'm not suggesting me as the only person in this market, who knows how to go through an organization, go through every single role, knows all of the technologies that are available, all of the AI do's and don'ts, because I've done it for 20, 30 years, and therefore just go and pay for a little bit of help to get you kick-started, attend conferences, listen to webinars like this, educate yourself. Don't try and do it alone, because that ends up taking far too much time and is far too expensive, because there isn't many businesses that I come across today, really not, who aren't actually implementing this technology, experimenting with it and talking about it. If you are not doing something with it, I kid you not, your competitors are. And if that isn't a call to action, remember what I said earlier on about digital Darwinism, the technology is not going away. It is the best that I have seen it in decades. And I've been in industry three decades and I know the technologies that will work. I know the technologies that are pure hype. And I know the technologies that are total rubbish. This is amazing technology at next to no cost. So please embrace it. I'm begging people to embrace it before you end up going the way of the digital dinosaurs. No matter how uncomfortable, but as someone once said to me in life, you can choose to grow or you can choose not to grow. I choose to grow every single time because growth and comfort are two opposites. Those who embrace comfort tend not to be in business, and I wish that on no one. Those who embrace a growth mindset tend to succeed. And don't take my word for it. Statistically, if you look at a McKinsey, a Deloitte, a KPMG, any analyst consulting report like Bloor Analyst, they have all evidenced the same thing time and time again. The innovative businesses that embrace change and embrace technology and embrace new ways of working are the ones that do really well. And people strategy, my word for HR, have a dominant role in this because the most important people in a business, the most important thing are individuals, not the technology, not the computers, not the buildings. You have a huge and tremendous opportunity and responsibility here. Please embrace it because this is exciting, but it's also potentially bloody scary if you don't do anything to address what is a real urgent need to get everybody up to speed and skilled in AI. 100%. And I suppose kind of similar question to yourself, Mary, and I suppose kind of final words. I mean, what might make this familiar and what it, it, I suppose this whole talk about AI and HR might have been a, an unfamiliar territory for a lot of people. But what, what makes it sound familiar from what Kieran is saying, Mary, is a lot of it comes down to the classics, business case, training, input, change management, those kind of bits. It, it is not to, I suppose, undersell it, but in the, the purest sense, it's just another HR project that if it fits, make it fit and get it going. I suppose, would I be right in saying that, Mary? A HR project might be the right word mm. for it because it's about transformative change, isn't it, in terms of how we 
do things. Um, and so if I identify my role to be a people strategist, to use your words, Karen, or, um, you know, to be a HR strategist, then the more time I can spend strategizing versus ticking boxes and um, spending hours on rote and routine tasks, um, then the better that is, not just for me, the HR practitioner, not just for my function uh, as a team, as a leader in HR, but also for the business, because the more time I can work on these higher value activities, the better for the organization, the better for the business. I mean, we've, we've, it's, it's been interesting because I've been, you know, using ChatGPT now probably for, you know, maybe eight months or something like that. Um, and again, you know, somebody gave me a call, I think it was Megan on our team here. And she was like, have you seen this stuff, Mary? And I was like, no. Uh, she was like, it's really impressive. Take a look. And I played around with it for a while, I very warily of, you know, what the hell is this? But, you know, eight months on, I'm blown away by what it can actually do from a consultancy perspective and looking at, well, OK, so what next? How can I look at each of our processes and think, could we do it better? Could we do it faster? Could we do more? Will this allow us to take on more projects? Will this allow us to do more? And my answer is yes. Now, how, how to do it is the different thing, because as I always say, we're good with people, maybe not so much with the technology. Um, but that's not an excuse for moving forward and embracing it. Kieran, one of the things I have noticed, because, you know, obviously you'll have various people in HR talking about it and the people that are taking the lead, definitely, without a doubt, are those who are risk averse. So GDPR specialists, you've got your employment law specialists and they're all kind of talking about the risk, the risk and the fear and the policies and the ethics and all of that. Um, and what there isn't enough of in HR that, that I can see, because I've attended a number of webinars on it to see well, what's out there, what can we do, what can we get, what could we, what's shiny, what could we buy, what could we have now? Um, and a lot of it is very basic. Um, maybe tailored in a basic way for the HR market. I don't know. Um, but I'd love to see more um, interesting discussion about how we can transform the HR function using these technologies and maybe more stories from people out there like our audience who have embraced uh, AI at a, at a business level and what, what has it done for the organization or what kind of developments are out there. Um, I'm a real believer in, you know, again, where, where's, where's the you know, video cassette, where's the DVD, where's, you know, the, no, no it's going to hang on to books, I'll always read <laughs> books, but again, you know, where are all these things, if you don't move, you will get left behind, and you don't want to be that digital dinosaur, um, and I think that's really important in HR, so it's about maybe stepping outside your comfort zone, but 
the where we get the information that's that's the challenge um that's where i see there's not enough out there in hr not enough to make us comfortable about how we move forward um and that maybe some of the stuff if you are using uh ai technologies the the information out there isn't more advanced than the basics what we can do with them so or maybe I'm wrong, Kieran. Maybe you, you're going to tell me there's a whole load of stuff that I just am not seeing. I need to do a bit more research. Oh, oh, it depends. It really does. No, I spend my day researching and doing everything. And someone once said, if you look for it, you'll find it. There is really great examples out there. Thank goodness. Now, you do have to look because, as you said, the narrative to date has been fear. And fear just causes anxiety and and. Getting people to change because, you know, something terrible might happen is not the best incentive to change. So let me give, let me give you, as we're near the end, some examples of how this can work. So, uh, again, I'll, I'll tell you the punchline at the end of this one so I make you smile. The training and education piece is key. And with very little training, you can learn to question, or as the tools call it, prompt these engines and gain huge productivity. So I was working with a group in Northern Ireland, a government group, and I give you the example. They were producing interview questionnaires and job adverts. And once they'd produced the job advert and once they produced the interview pack, they then had to create questions. They then had to create a scoring scheme. They then had to get everybody on the same page. And when I asked how long did this take, they said, oh, you know, really quick, usually about three to five days. And it wasn't to embarrass them, but I opened up in this instance, it was Claude. And I typed, I said, have you got a copy of what you want and your company values and your mission and your statements and the wills and skills that you want? So just called out to me and I typed it into Claude. And I said, there's your job advert. And they went, what? You've and I said, okay, now let me write the job pack, a couple of more prompts, done. Now let me write the questions. How many would you like? And they went, eight, 10. I said, let me do eight, then I'll do 10. Boom, boom, done. Would you like a scoring mechanism? Yes, out of what? One to five. Any particular methodology? Yeah, SOP or SOA. And I went, okay, there you go. And within five and a half minutes, literally, beginning to end, including me talking and slowing it down and turning on risk things, we had everything done. And their face was a blessing to watch. It was so short. <laughs> in that, oh my God, look how much time we spend doing this. But the joy there is give great people, great tooling, and boom, they can do it. All of a sudden, five days turned out to be, I kid you not, five minutes, 49 seconds to be accurate. Imagine what the HR strategist can now do with that time, because if you can automate it and digitize it and use AI, do it, just use great tools. As you say, I don't walk to work, I get the car. <laughs> you know, Use the technology for, for the purposes that it's designed. Another one is actually looking at reward schemes. Inside of businesses, you can lose really good staff because you know there's just so many things to do in a particular day and you miss them. Well, start feed the AI particular uh, information. Then I can start to really look at people's performance. I can look at the career paths that they should enjoy and I can suggest things. And that can be anything from a LinkedIn course to an intervention by a manager so that we don't miss great talent. So that is retention analytics. And that is, again, not very difficult to do. Or conversational AI where you, and this is the funny bit, Mary, you mentioned at the top end, you listed a whole load of things that HR strategists and professionals do. 
And when you work through those, you go, how many of those truly need your unique individual genius and human skills? And how many of those are routine? And the answer is far more of them are routine than they should be. So you use conversational AI to put them into a conversational AI package. There's, there's tons of the market. Druid AI picks some others. There's lots out there. And it can take away all of those questions and answer the queries 24-7 to internal and external candidates. And all of a sudden, now you're even freer again. So there is a lot of success stories and a ton of benefits to using AI technology inside of your business. The key bit is you just have to go in and look for them or hire someone who knows what they are for a period of time until you've caught on and learn these skills. And most importantly for HR professionals, you need to lead the conversation. You cannot wait for someone else in the business to do this. This isn't an IT thing. Chuck it in the corner at the IT team. They'll be a component of it. It's just too important. Therefore, take the lead, take the charge, bring the tools into your own area, help yourself, your executive, your management team, and everyone in the business learn this as part of their career plans, and then show the business that you as professionals are absolutely bought in and leading it. Make it a case of, I am, and I'm doing it, and the benefits are huge. Not do what I say, but I'm not actually going to do it because that's part of the evidence of how wonderful this can be in your particular role. The tech works, it's too important to ignore. Please embrace it. Yes, there are risks, but I said there's risks to everything. Do not be put off. Practice, 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 and you will get better and better and better. And you will be extraordinarily surprised how darn good this technology is and how it can improve your productivity and the quality work that you do and the outcomes and the value that HR can deliver and the outcomes and the value that the business can deliver as a result of twisting into that AI business. This is an AI age. Please embrace it. Definitely. So if you're not energized and motivated after that chat with Mary and Kieran to get this done, I, I don't know what else we could have done there because we had such a great chat. So look, really appreciate your time, Kieran and Mary as well. Thank you for a very useful, practical enjoyable and again as i say kind of motivating energizing discussion really appreciate that thank you everyone for, for listening uh, we catch you next week for the next installment of our podcast so don't forget to click subscribe and join the discussion on our social media channels if you are enjoying these episodes do please feel free to share them with colleagues friends and family and even better if you can use a review on whatever platform you're on we'd really appreciate that too and as always for hr consultancy services and management you can trust get in touch with us today at insidehr.ie thank you mary and thank you Karen. thank you Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.